Golden Girls. Welcome back to the Golden Collective podcast, our second episode. Oh my gosh, I cannot thank you enough for the incredible response that I've had since we launched two weeks ago. It was so surreal just to finally share what I've been working on and to have so many of you repost on Instagram and send me kind messages. I really am just so grateful. And I'm excited to bring you another episode today. So this interview is with Leila Nahavandi, and she is a teaching pastor and college director at LifePoint Church in Adelaide. I got to meet Leila almost a year ago now when she was the guest preacher at our youth camp, and I instantly felt so drawn to her. She's so kind, so fun, and such an incredible minister. We laughed a lot through this interview, so I hope you enjoy it too. Well, hey, Layla, welcome to the Golden Collective podcast. It's so good to have you here. My friend, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you oh, going? I'm so happy to be chatting to you. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise, likewise. <laughs> and yeah, we're keen to get into some juicy topics today, chatting a bit more about your story and a bit more about your life. So thank you for saying yes. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Why don't we get started by having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Can you give us a bit of context to who you are and what you're doing in life at the moment? Sure. Um, okay, so who I, am I? Layla Nahavandi is my official name. Um, I am a teaching pastor and college director at LifePoint Church in Adelaide in South Australia. Um, I also sort of am an itinerant preacher, so I'll travel like the world just preaching at different churches and events and different things like that um, when COVID isn't on. So usually yes. I'm de- <laughs> yeah, I have hardly done any travel. I think like your youth camp in whenever it was. Yeah, February last or- year. Yeah, it was like the one of the last events I've done and then we got, sort of got shut down. Um, yeah, so I haven't really travelled that much this year, but usually that's what I'd be doing. Um, in the absence of that, I've sort of headed back into some study. So I've finished my master's and I'm starting on a PhD at the moment. So uh, very much into Pentecostal theology and history. Wow, so. <laughs> yeah, that's been my background. Awesome. And what about growing up? Did you grow up in a Christian household? Tell me a little bit more about your family life. Yeah, so... Um, it's a little bit complicated for me. So um, the name Nahavandi comes from Iran because my dad is Persian oh. <laughs> yeah, and my mum is Irish and they both met in England. So I was born in England and um, then moved to New Zealand when I was a kid. Um, in New Zealand, we were a Muslim family. So my dad was Muslim and my mum had sort of converted to Islam to marry dad. Um, and through that whole time period, um, we had an auntie who came to live with us from Iran. And so she didn't really speak English that well. She lived with us. Mum had, you know, myself, my younger brother, my younger sister, and we were, um, sort of all, all living together in the house with my auntie who, uh, we didn't know at the time, but was actually schizophrenic. So she was crazy. She was like threatening to kill my dad and different crazy things that she would do. Um, and so, you know, my mum was like, look, I can't deal with this anymore. And my dad was basically like, well, I can't kick her out of the street. Like, what am I going to do? Um, and then so mum was just like, okay, that's it. I'm going to take the kids and we're going. And we moved uh, into a uh, women's and children's shelter um, and sort of lived there for a little while. And we had a neighbour 
who was a Pentecostal Christian lady who was just on fire for God and shared the gospel with my mum like all the time. And she was just amazing. And she'd like pray for us. If we were sick, she'd like pray for my my sister when she needed to go to hospital, hospital different things like that. Wow. Um, we also had like at my kindergarten people from the same church who were in a connect group together who would pray for my family. So, yeah, so we had all of these people from this one particular church, New Life Church in New Zealand in Palmerston North who would pray for us. And my mum got radically saved. Like she was like, okay, cool. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Gets baptised in this lady's bathtub. Um, (laughs) A massive encounter with God. We're watching like Benny Hinn reruns all day, every day in the 90s. And um, yeah, God just transformed her life. And so we started going to church with with all these people who had been praying for us. And my mum moved back in with dad. We moved back in with dad. And he really had a life-changing encounter with God as well um, through, you know, just an encounter with the Holy Spirit and ended up, you know, sort of converting from Islam to Christianity, which is massive, Um, ended up getting baptised at the church as well. And so since then, I think I was about 96, um, I've grown up in the church and really seen just the power of God at work in my family's lives just transforming. Mm everything our whole situation our whole trajectory of our entire future um and so yeah we grew up um then going to church in new zealand moved to geelong victoria when i was about eight or nine years old um and yeah so at at that point we were going to a, a different pentecostal church over there and um yeah just really found God through, I think I really knew God as, as a young kid through all that stuff that was going on. I think mm. I, I, I couldn't doubt that God was real, just always had that really strong um, relationship with God from such a young age. Um, but I think probably in, in youth years, like I really had those like strong encounters with God where I felt like called to ministry and, you know, really heard the voice of God for myself and the direction of God for myself in my life. Um, and yeah, so that's how we really got to know God and got called to ministry. I think when I was in year 11, I connected with Pastor Dave Hall um, through like different conferences and stuff that he would speak at and really felt like God was calling me to go and serve under his leadership. So I ended up moving from Geelong to Adelaide when I was 18 years old, straight out of school. And uh, so yeah, cool. the rest is history for us now. So yeah. That's awesome. That yeah. is quite the story. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your journey to ministry. How did you know that you were called to ministry? And, you know, was that something that you thought, oh, yeah, this is definitely my future? Was it an easy road for you? Yeah, no, that is a great question. So um, I definitely say it was in some aspects very easy road, in other aspects not easy at all. Sure. So some things were very easy. I think um, from a very young age, I felt God calling me to the ministry. Like I would say even maybe eight or nine sort of years old in kids church and different things like that. I was always like, I know that one day like I'm going to preach and I want to do what those pastors do. Like I I just felt like this sense of like, that's what God's calling me to do from a very Mm. young age. Uh, But also my dad's a professor of robotic engineering. And so my family is quite an academic family. Um, And so growing up, when I would tell dad, like, I want to be a pastor, he's like, oh, only dumb people become pastors. Like, you can't be a pastor. So very much like anti-anything to do with, like, becoming a pastor, being in ministry. He's like, no, like, you've got to study, you've got to go to uni. 
And so I was like, okay, so um, I ended up um, both going to Bible college and doing um, sort of more academic study and different things like that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a difficult road um, with just dad's approval and stuff to, to go into, I think. Um, but God really worked on his heart and, and really, you know, confirmed to him that I was called to do this and that sort of thing. And in, at the end of the day, I've, I've ended up in a, in a sort of academic role anyway, sort of doing my PhD yes. stuff now anyway. So I think he's happy. It's like best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I always had that since I know some, some people it's, it comes sort of more, you know, later on when they sort of discover like, oh yeah, I think I'm called to this. For me, it was just like, I've always known that that's what God has called mm. me. I know it's not everyone's story, um, but for me, the challenges were more like, okay, how am I going to actually do this? You know, and, and also sort of moving into state as a young 18 year old, don't really know anyone in, in, in Adelaide and all my family's still back in Geelong and stuff like that. So all the challenges for me were, were more so surrounding what ministry sure. would look like, um, but not in terms of like feeling the call of God. I always sort of knew that. Mm. Mm. I guess being a young female minister as well, I'm wanting to know, <laughs> are there any particular challenges around that oh, part of oh life? God. Or even being a, a female college director, I feel is, <laughs> is quite unique. So tell me a little bit more about what that looks like for you. Yeah, that's a great question as well. We're opening a can of worms here. Sorry, um, but go for it. <laughs> so I, I feel, here's a little like secret for you, my friend. I feel like um, I always get asked to be like the poster girl for like, oh, <laughs> what are the challenges for women in ministry? And literally I could say, honest to God, like you know me, I like to have a laugh. I'm sort of easygoing. <laughs> I honestly don't know what those challenges are. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I have been challenged because of my gender. I feel like any challenges I've gone through have been Layla challenges. Yeah. <laughs> like me, my personality, the way that I, you know, do things. Um, so I, I even remember, like, to prove that that's true, um, I remember mm. um, when I was about 19, I've always been, like, invited to preach at different um, camps and, and different things like that. I think that's probably the main call of God in my life is to minister prophetically and sort of, you know, to the broader body of Christ. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Thank you. And I remember um, one one youth pastor was like, oh, it'd be awesome. Like come preach in my youth ministry. It'd be great to have you like, you know, because like I love like you're preaching, but also because you're a girl, like it's great to have you. <laughs> and it was literally the first time ever that I like, it crossed my mind that, oh, there's not many girls doing this. And that's a, yeah. like, that's a distinctive thing. And then I would start to think about it after that. Then I'm like, oh, we had like a youth alive team in, in South Australia. And I noticed like, oh, I'm literally the only girl youth pastor here. I'm the only girl in the room in these conversations. Um, and so it, to me, I don't know if it was that I didn't recognize it, or if it was just so normal to me that I, I like, I was just blind to, to the fact that like, hey, I'm the only girl in the room here. Um, mm. But I, I was never made to feel like I couldn't do it or like I wasn't supposed to be there or anything from anyone in my, in my ministry journey. So even growing up, I grew up in the Apostolic Church, um, in, it's the church in Geelong, it's called Waterfront Christian Church. And 
I remember there would be women preaching, guest, guest women pastors coming to preach and, you know, our senior pastors would very much do that together. And so to me as a kid growing up sort of in the 90s and then sort of 2000s, um, it was very normal to me. So I think it was probably the generation mm. before me that had a lot of issues. And now I think, you know, the sort of generation that's come after me um, is really like there's lots of girl youth pastors, there's lots of girls in ministry totally. and that sort of thing. I think it's very common. Um, but yeah, to be honest, like I think all of my challenges, they're more sort of like my own personal <laughs> challenges rather than like, oh, it's because I'm a girl leading yes. people and not like respecting that I'm a girl at whatever, whatever challenge. Come with that. I'm not. I'm not your. I'm not your clean cut feminist. Yeah. I'm really not a feminist at all. I'm happy to do the have the babies. <laughs> yes. Do you have any encouragement for women that do feel called to ministry but aren't sure where to start and where their place is? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think I I can acknowledge as well that I was very blessed to have many people around me that sort of saw something in me and pulled that gift out of me, gave me lots of opportunities. I think that's why I'm really passionate about being in that college director sort of space. Mm. Um, because I wanted to be able to do that for others and be able to, you know, sort of raise others in ministry and see the gold in people and be able to give them opportunity to flourish. And so I would say, hey, if you, are, uh, you, you know, a young girl who's feeling called to ministry, talk to those people in your world who can sort of raise you up and how, who can invest in you, who can be your mentors, who can be people who can invest into your leadership and your ministry and different things like that, even into your personal life as you grow in God. So if you come from a smaller church and there's not a lot of, you know, role models that you can look up to, even look out to people on Instagram, different things like that. I have girls on uh, Instagram that will reach out to me and say, hey, can you answer these questions for me or can we have a chat on the phone or different things like that. Oh, that's so cool. And, yeah, I'm all, of course, I'm always willing to like chat and, and help people out and stuff. And I think most women in ministry would be, you know, keen to help other women out mm. and really like you know, just chat and do life together and share their story and different things like that. So, yeah, I'd say if you can find someone who you look up to, who you want to be like and really start to sort of reach out to them, that's a great way to do it. I know I did that with um, Vicky Simpson. Yes. Um, she was amazing. She's obviously like one of your crew at the mm. Seafree Fair. And she was just incredible. Like I would just hound her with questions. And, <laughs> you know, like, she'd be on the phone. I'd be on the phone to her for like hours. And she's just so, um, so awesome and so generous with her time, with her encouragement, different things like that. So I think it's really important for us to seek people out um, and really try and connect with people. It doesn't have to be someone who's, you know, preaching all over the world. It could be, you know, someone who is pastoring a church down the road of 100 people, but mm. they've obviously got that life experience and ministry experience as well. Yeah, that's great encouragement. Thank you. I've definitely taken no, hold of that. You. Now, mm -hmm. listen, you are young, you are hot, <laughs> you are smart, <laughs> you love Jesus, and you're single. <laughs> which makes you the most eligible what? bachelorette. Oh, thank you. Thank you, my friend. I was going to say, what is the problem here? Please tell me. Why am I not married? So my question to you was going to be, yeah. what is the best thing you can say to your single friend and what is the worst thing you can say to your single friend? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, do, how long do you have? <laughs> best, best thing that you can say... <clears throat> If you are a married person, mm. best thing that you can say to your single friends 
is share the story of how God brought you and the person that you're married to together. Because, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. And I know every time someone shares a testimony with me about like how they got together, or I'm a hopeless romantic as well. <laughs> so my favorite story ever is however people got together. Um, but it, for me, it's so encouraging because I see the hand of God at work, like sort of bringing these two people together. I see the beauty of what God's done in and through both of their lives being intertwined together. And it's very encouraging to me as a single person. I don't know if other single people might be like jealous or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I, for, me, for me, it's not like a, like, it's, it's not a jealousy thing. It's an encouragement thing. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, like, look at what God's done with these people. And if God's done it in that person's life and this person's life and that person's life, I know that he can do that in my life, you know? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I find that extremely encouraging when people share their story um, with me. The worst thing that you can say... <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah, let's go to the worst. Um, we were just talking before we got live yeah. um, about a friend who sort of put it out there to say, like, single people was the worst thing that ever, anyone's ever said to you about being single. So my um, situation is quite unique because I'll preach in different churches and different things and things like that. I'm a pastor, so quite like we were quite in public life. Um, so often, like every time there's a, a guest speaker, I'll definitely get a prophecy about um, who my husband's going to be, <laughs> like, which I think that's great. That's encouraging as well. Um, but if I'm preaching somewhere, often like a, a senior pastor will be like, oh, you know, like we've got this guy, like he's awesome. Like bring the guy to the conversation with me. Like be like, what do you think of him? And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, awesome. Like, what am I going to say? He's right there. Like, it's such an awkward Six out of ten. Send him back. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So that's super awkward. That's probably very unique to my sort of niche circumstance. Sure. I think the the other sort of worst thing that I I hear is like, why are you still single? Like, why are you still single? Why, Layla? Yeah. She's like, well... I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I just don't know how to answer that question. Like, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. (laughs) You know, there's something people haven't told me about or if like it's on God, I don't want to blame God. Like if it's on me, like, cause I think there's also those weird sort of like, you know, people who are really obsessed with um, horses and posting spiritual, like, (laughs) spirit graphics on Instagram <laughs> that are like <laughs> that are like oh you know God's you know I'm just waiting for this man to drop out of heaven and stuff you're like well have you been on dates like do you talk to guys like yeah how do you think that's gonna happen so I'm definitely I'm definitely not in that camp I'm not like mm-hmm. I don't talk to guys I don't go out I've had relationships with different guys before I've dated different guys before it's just not been the right thing for different reasons um but I yeah I think it's important to like you know talk to guys and stuff but still in my in my case I feel like I've been obedient to God in every every step of the way with different relationships and stuff and I just feel like it just hasn't been the right thing yet and every time I've got mm. a prophetic word people have said that like you know in the timing of God this this will happen and different things like that that have really strengthened and encouraged me to know like oh it's not because you've just been like 
you know, too picky or different things like that, whatever other people would usually say. Like another thing that people say to single people is like, oh, you know, you've got to just lower your standards. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's probably not not the best. But I think sometimes people do need to um, not look for George Clooney cross with Judah Smith. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, people are looking like like some perfect guy. Um, yes. But they're posting like spirit things on Instagram and loving That's horses. so true. <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh, I, was reading, I was reading. I was reading. Yeah, people always say to single people, oh, the perfect man's right around the corner. And all the single people are like, where's the magical corner? I haven't seen it before. <laughs> yes, can we go there? Can you take me there? <laughs> Show me oh, the corner. <laughs> Show me, please. No, I, I, I would love to be married. Like, you know me, I'm hopeless romantic. I'm definitely up for a good time, all that sort of stuff. Um, but honestly, honestly as well, very content to be single. And I think yes. if you are single, God can give you that total fulfilment, contentment, satisfaction in your relationship with him. Um, mm. yeah, obviously, it would be good to be married as well. Yes. Do you mind if I ask about your previous dating life? Have you got any <laughs> stories you're happy to share with us? Yes, sure, sure. Um, so most scandalous one. Ooh. I had some like um, nothing really serious like growing up, like wasn't in any sort of serious relationships or anything like that. Um, when I was about 20 or 21, Um, I like felt head over heels in love with this guy. Um, he was a pastor. Um, he was a lawyer, had like lots of properties for me, like, oh yeah, like (laughs) very intelligent, um, really funny. Humor is the biggest thing for me. Like someone can like, you know, their looks can be like down here (laughs) that don't have a job, but if they're really funny, (laughs) As long as they're funny. Yeah, as long as they're funny, I'm happy. Um, so he was, like, hilarious as well. So, like, I, th- I thought he was very attractive. Um, and so, yeah, ended up there was, like, sort of a long lead-up to going out with this guy. Um, I sort of felt like there was something not right about it and sort of, like, hesitated, was go- sort of going out with him but then not... Um, and my best friend who, um, was also my housemate, was my housemate for 12 years. Um, I remember she said to me, I was like, I called her one day and I'm like, oh, hey, Rachel, um, I think I'm going to go out with this guy. And she's like, what? You promised me you wouldn't go out with him. You promised me you'd never go out with him. Because there was something just there that just wasn't right. And so, um, Mm. I was like, nah, I like him. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) So... From the get-go, I shouldn't have been in this relationship. Um, there was nothing nothing that you could really put your finger on that was, like, really wrong, but it just it, it didn't feel right and in the lead-up to it wasn't really right. Different things had gone on. And so I shouldn't have been in the relationship, but um, I was. And so he goes overseas. Remember, he's, like, a pastor as well, so... If, Yes. Massively scandalous. Like I would never in my wildest dreams imagine that this would happen. But while he's overseas, he's like sending me like postcards literally every day from Italy, from America, <laughs> literally writing like all this sort of stuff. And 
you know, would FaceTime for each day for like a couple of hours, like had a really good sort of good friendship. And um, I get this phone call one day from my pastor, Dave, Dave Hall. And he's like, Layla, what are you mm. doing right now? I like, I was like, oh, I'm just at uni. And he's like, can you come to the church straight away? And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, oh. I can't, can't tell you the nature of what I need to tell you, but um, I just need you to come right away. It's very serious and it's very important. So I'm like, okay. So I think like my whole family's died or like, oh no, I no idea what was going on. But he's like, don't worry, no one's died. But I was just like, okay, like something very serious has happened. Um, so I'm, I go to church and um, my pastor Dave is there and he's like, Layla, I have to tell you something. Can you sit down? Like we, he had like another sort of, um, lady on staff who came in the room as well and so like, this is a very serious matter um, the person who um, you're going out with um, we found that he's been having an affair with a married woman for the past seven years and what it was so scandalous because obviously he's a pastor at our church as well so <gasps> on many levels this was just like oh my gosh what's going on here and like I joke about it now, but it was so serious, so crazy, so yeah, out of course. The blue. And there were so many layers to it; they were just very messy. Um, so I, I was like, "Is this a joke? Like, am I being punked?" This was when Ashton Kutcher had his like punk show. <laughs> Surely this is a joke. Like, where are the cameras? Where are the cameras? Like, is this going to be shown on church news? Like, what's going on? Um, but it was not a joke. It was very serious, and so. Pastor Dave like proceeded to tell me like how he found out that this was happening. Someone had contacted him and he had this word of knowledge straight away. He knew exactly what, 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 who it was. And it was just crazy because he doesn't usually have that sort of, you know, full on supernatural sort of experience with that sort of stuff. And so in just a matter of hours, like all of this stuff came out. Um, And I think through that, then obviously I have to deal with like, you know, this guy who I really love wanted to marry him and stuff like that. And um, I'm talking to him every day. He's sending me postcards. I'm still getting the postcards for the next like three no. weeks. From the different <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to burn these stupid postcards. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, he's, he's, it's, it's sort of like in limbo. So he's trying to call me to talk to me about everything that's going on. And I'm just like, whoa, this is like, it's like I'm in some like parallel universe where the person that like I really loved and, you know, or mm. future with and all this sort of stuff has died. And this person that's coming back is some crazy guy who's been having an affair with a married woman who, you know, there's all this stuff that all these allegations and different things that were made. So, um, yeah, that was a very like confronting thing for a 21 year old little like mm. you know, naive sort of um hopeless romantic kid to go through um and I think what what it did in me um like as I said before I was sort of like um I very sort of like eyes wide open everything will be okay very optimistic very um naive and different things with the relationships and because I was a hopeless romantic I'm like no it's fine like it's good (laughs) against wise counsel when my friends would be like Layla I don't think this is right I don't think you should be in this relationship different things like that I sort of didn't care and did it anyway and for me Mm. 
I think it taught me that like, wow, God had to really intervene because otherwise I would have ended up marrying someone who had been having an affair, having to deal with all of this stuff um, as a young woman in ministry and as a like wife yeah. and things like that. So God really hardcore intervened, cut that off. Um, but it really showed me like, wow, I can't, I can't just play with this sort of stuff anymore. I can't just play with right. all of God. I can't play with big decisions in my life because it actually is very important and it, I need to walk in wisdom here and different things like that. Mm. Um, I think also it, so it made me a lot more wise in that area or hopefully I still <laughs> hopeless romantic, but um, it definitely made me a lot more wise. And then, then also I think it just really pushed me to just find my identity, my worth, my friendship, my intimacy, my satisfaction, all of that stuff in God. Because, like, obviously I was so close to this guy and very, like, you know, sort of infatuated with him and all this sort of stuff that when that just got cut off, like, just in the air sort of thing, like, just Mm. with no sort of proper resolution, no, like, it was just like, what the heck is going on? And then he comes back and he's, like, giving me presents and stuff. I'm like, okay, see ya. (laughs) I don't really get. So it was a very weird sort of abrupt end to that I think made me it forced me to go okay like that's gone I need to um it was like a crisis moment where I needed to find all of that in God and I needed Mm. to heal from that brokenness and all that sort of distrust and different things through God and through you know my intimacy with God um so yeah so it, Mm. it was a really weird scandalous crazy horrible sort of things happen but it was probably one of the most spiritually formational things that happened in my in in my journey sort of as a young adult wow Hmm. can you speak a little more into that how did your relationship with God develop over that time and was there anything that helped you in particular heal from that experience yeah that's an awesome question um I would say definitely like I, I'd always had an intimacy with God but I'm also very much like um quite an independent person I'll like I'll I'm very headstrong so I was like if I make my mind up I'll do whatever I want whenever I want to do it that like obviously like in a holy way I'm not going out like doing dodgy things yeah um you know <laughs> but didn't often receive counsel that well like I was I, people told me what to do I'll be like I'll think about what you're saying and I'll think about (laughs) it aligns with what I want to do (laughs) and I I didn't really have anyone who could could say no to me I had people who did say no to me but not people who could and not people who I'd listen to the no um and I think yeah through that it definitely made me number one sort of outsource the big decisions in my life, not completely, but part of that decision, I was like, okay, I am never, ever, ever going to go out with someone when, you know, my pastors don't think it's a good idea. It doesn't feel right in God. My friends don't think it's a good idea. My parents don't think it's a good idea. Um, I'm never, ever going to be so blind and so 
it's it's like an a spiritual arrogance as well. Like I feel like I was spiritually arrogant. I was like, no, I know, like I, I it's me and God and no one else, and I'll do whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still a little bit like that. Um, but I was just yeah, I, I think I just sort of through that learnt. No, I'm I'm definitely going to depend on the wisdom and the counsel, um, and the accountability of others and it made me mm. realize that that is important and if I don't listen to that my life is going to go through train wrecks like by the grace of God it didn't this time but you know like I, I do need to put that in place the second thing I think that helped me through it was great friends so even though I'd been such a dodgy loser <laughs> listening to them, <laughs> um, they were definitely awesome 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 um, godly friends who love the Holy Spirit, who love God, who love the Word of God, who were able to sort of send me scriptures, who were able to just hang out with me. I remember on the night that I found out, or the day that I found out, um, my best friend Rachel, who I live with, she's like, cancels her plans and she's like, all right, we're going to go see a movie. Don't care what it is, just the first <laughs> one that's on. And it was like, do you remember that gnome, Gnomeo and Juliet? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was literally all that was showing. And we're like, okay, we'll see this stupid movie. Um, but it was just good, like, just having friends who are just there with you, doing the journey with you, being like, Layla, this sucks, this is crazy, I don't know why this happened, I don't know, like, it's just, it's all a lot to take in right now, but God's got you and, like, we're going to have mm. fun along the way and you don't need to stress about it, you don't need to worry about it, you don't need to wallow in self-pity or you know get <laughs> or anything like that um because obviously by the grace of god he saved you out of this situation and you need to be mm. so thankful for that and they would sort of speak the truth of god into that situation for me and help me to see what i couldn't see for myself yes so having those good friends you'll never to pastor vicky simpson as well she was single for a long time in ministry she said like yeah having those strong um great christian friendships of people who are like doing the journey with you so 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 important um, because I think as a single person you can definitely get more and more isolated and especially in ministry you can be extremely isolated so yeah having great Christian friendships mm. um, ha- having that accountability in my life sort of came through that um, and then also yeah obviously like just pressing into God there's nothing like the presence of God the word of God the power of God you know, being in conferences, as many conferences as I I could get to, being in church all the time, serving God. There is no healer like the presence of God. Like there's just nothing that I know of that can sort of undo brokenness and thorns and all all that sort of junk that can get in your heart, like just the freedom and the just... Um, mm. lightness and the love and the peace and the joy that comes from being in the presence of God so yeah mm, sorry that's, that's a beautiful. lot that's a lot to take in but all of those <laughs> all of those things sort of definitely helped me get through that season yeah I love that uh, I guess I'll ask you one final question yeah. And as a college director, I'd love to know <laughs> what you have to say about how do we fall in love and be passionate about God's word? What would your Ooh. advice be for just oh. diving deep, feeling total fire when you open the Bible? Oh, I love that. Total fire. Yeah. So I think that when it comes to the word of God, I definitely think that the more you do it, the more you're hungry for it. I feel like it's like mm. a drug. 
like for me, it's like a drug. So like if I am in the word like daily and I'm reading like chapters and chapters of my Bible, all I want is more of the word. But if I like right. to read the Bible today and then like tomorrow something comes up and I only read like a little portion of it, you know, you sort of forget what that tastes like and it sort of feels like the fire sort of dwindles. So I think the, the number one thing is just consistency. If you can mm. consistently get into the word, your hunger and your fire and your passion is going to grow because you're going to see the difference that it makes and you're going to encounter the Holy Spirit as you're sort of reading through it. Um, and so, yeah, I think the most important thing would just be setting aside a time, making room for God in your schedule, making room for God in your in your daily life, just to spend some time in the word with him and that fire and passion will grow as he's speaking to you and, and growing you. Um, I think as well, just um, it, for me, it's always like the connections with people, like different people that you can get in your life that can share the word of God with you and be like, hey, mm. what are you reading in the Bible? I've been reading this and sort of grow your hunger and your passion for what the word of God can bring into your life and what you can get out of the word of God as well. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if you're not really that well um experienced with you know the word and different things like that i'll definitely get some people mentors and different people in your life who can teach you some devotionals different things like that that can help you study the word but i think plain and simple i remember as a teenager just waking up at 6 a.m every morning praying reading my bible it gave me a hunger for god's word and an intimacy with god like nothing else in the entire world um and i think if you just make space god will fill that space he'll fill your heart he'll fill your whole life with his presence and his word and revelation Mm. beautiful well thank you so much for joining us on the golden collective podcast i loved hearing more of your story no it's been great thank you we got to some juicy conversations there absolutely so scandalous so this can be like you can put a like a a warning on the on the title of it no (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously thank you you've got such a beautiful heart and I've loved following your journey in ministry not just as a woman in ministry but as a minister and yeah really appreciate all you do so thank you for being with us today thank you my friend likewise it's been awesome to be with you love you heaps Don't you just love Layla? She's the best. Make sure you follow her on Instagram, which is at Layla.Nahavandi. And if you enjoy this interview as much as I did, please feel free to screenshot this episode, share it with a friend or your social media. We are at Golden Collective underscore on Instagram. And make sure you're following there and subscribed here to stay in the loop. Before we go, I'm committed to praying at the end of each episode. So let's do that. Lord, I thank you for these beautiful listeners. I thank you for Pastor Layla and the story she shared today. And God, I thank you that you know the desires of our hearts and you have great plans for our futures. So I pray right now for anyone who's been holding on to a long-term promise or dream that you would renew their hope in you, that they would be reminded of your faithfulness, that you care about every detail of our lives. We love you, God, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening, friends. We'll catch you in the next episode, which will be in the new year. So have a lovely Christmas and stay golden.